If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Why we do what we do. My name is Abraham, and I'm going to be your host along with my co-host Ryan O. Yeah, and so this is our first sort of official episode. I guess technically it'll be labeled episode two. Um, but our major topic today is just to start by talking about what psychology is. Yeah. So I'm excited to jump in. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot to talk about here. Um, there's a lot that we could go into, but basically uh, what we're talking about today is we're going to just unpack the definition of psychology, mm-hmm. some of the components of that, and uh, yeah, a little tiny bit of history in there. Yeah. And then, uh, and then, yeah, we'll basically wrap it up once we've just covered the basics of what, what we do and like what psychology is, what we do there. Yeah. All right. So I, I do a lot of practice in, in areas of psychology, um, so Abraham, you have a lot more experience than I do in teaching psychology. So I was going to kind of lean on you with this one, this episode a little bit more, sure. um, and chime in where I, where I do know, um, yeah. and maybe tie in some of the other areas of practice, maybe that I, I kind of use it in. Sure. Work? Okay. Yeah, and I think also I want to have sort of a dialogue about we're going to critique some of these definitions, we're going to pull yeah. them apart, we're going to see where they work, where they don't work. And uh, it'll be good to have your perspective on this um, coming from uh, really taking the behavior analytic angle, and I'm going to be taking basically the sort of psych 101 angle. Okay, um, cool. Yeah. So we'll start just by breaking down the word psychology, um, just a little bit of history. It comes from the Greek word psyche um, or psych. I'm not sure if the E is on the end, uh, <laughs> which it means soul or breath or spirit. That's, that's basically what it means. So it, it's sort of alluding to this life force inside of inside of organisms in a, in a way and then of course combined with ology which just means the study of and this uh, really started primarily the the field of psychology and philosophy were pretty interrelated and had a lot of overlap and mm-hmm. what they did and psychology was not an experimental science it had uh, very little to do with observation and measurement and systematic investigation it really talked more about it was really just sort of speculating about um, what people's impressions were of the human experience, and mm-hmm. um, and you know for a while there was a lot of debate about like do animals have a soul? Or do the psychology apply to them, or is it just a human thing? What about humans who like? 
can't talk? Do they have like so? There was a lot of that, and it, like I said, it mostly lived in the realm of sort of speculation. Mm-hmm. Over time, this really did develop uh, in a huge way and branched out to a, a lot of things, especially when it started becoming more experimental and trying to answer relevant or questions that seemed more relevant to, to people, especially when it came to like solving problems and not just saying like you know what can we know about people. That can be a really nebulous goal with yeah. nowhere to go. And so uh, when it it started becoming more immediately relevant in terms of like education and um, interestingly in issues like justifying the treatment of other races as yeah. a, a dark a dark corner in <laughs> history psychology, uh, if you can call it part of psychology, which you know, I'm sure some people would. So uh, really what it came down to, though, when we're talking about the study of the spirit, when we go to the, the Greek definition, and what came after that as it developed was we're trying to answer this question of why do people do what they do? How is it that these experiences come to be? Are they universal? If they're not, then to what extent do they are they universal? That sort of thing, right? And so, um, you know, in the 1800s-ish was some of the first time that we started seeing psychology start measuring what people were really actually doing systematically, rigorously, recording it, and then trying to use it as a metric to understand why they did what they did. And I'm not going to go into the details of that right now. Hopefully, you know, probably down the road we'll have an opportunity to explore some of the early, early studies, quote-unquote studies, inside of uh, psychology's history. But all right, so at this point we've broken down just the word psychology – uh, but time to get into just what psychology is. So from your history and your understanding, how would you just define psychology? So psychology, it was introduced to me as kind of the study of the mind in the context of like why we do what we do. Cool. So in the context of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, um, tacky jokes. Right? <laughs> but it, it it's since become a lot more, I guess, and it's kind of encompassed uh, – that idea of why, like, what we do, like, everything that we do is kind of subject to psychology. Okay, cool. All right, so um, if you were to sort of crack open your general uh, Psych 101 textbook, you're probably going to see a definition that says something like psychology is the study of behavior and mental processes, mm-hmm. um, and some, something like that, okay? And so I'm going to take one step backwards and say, there's a lot of terms we're going to be talking about, and we don't require you know, our audience to know any of these terms and really know what they are. Psychology, when I, when I first took psychology, the, I remember the teacher saying psychology is a term-driven field. And I've kind of <laughs> come to learn that most science fields are very term-driven fields. And the reason is because the terms that they use don't necessarily mean the same thing as how sort of they occur in everyday language. So yeah. when, when someone says something like reward – that doesn't mean the same thing in everyday language as it does to, say, a behavior scientist. Correct. Or even like thoughts or thinking or even things like motivation. People maybe have a general understanding and they use the term motivation, but that doesn't mean the same thing to psychology. Yeah. And so what we're going to have to do is take these terms, we're going to break them down. Or even different areas of psychology. We'll talk about this a lot <laughs> that, differently too. That's right? a great point. Yeah. That's a great point. And actually, it might be fun to take some of those terms and talk about how they use them differently mm-hmm. in sort of the subdomains of psychology. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to unpack these as best we can and really just apply a sort of plain English definition to them and so we can find the boundaries of what these definitions mean, right? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think at least our goal is to kind of find some sort of agreement or agreed upon place where we can 
uh, start with those terms, and yeah. then we'll see where they kind of evolve. Perfect. I don't think that's a, a good practice all the time on a kind of truth by agreement, but when it comes to sure. terms, it's usually a pretty good start. <laughs> that's, yeah. And, and also, if we're going to start talking about psychology, I think we have to both be on the same page and have our audience on the same page of like, what do we mean when we talk about psychological phenomenon? And mm-hmm. some people will talk about, well, people do these things, and here's the reason they do them, and here's the psychological reason they do them. Yeah. And so a lot of people will make a distinction between those things of there's like, a external cause and then a psychological and maybe they mean that to mean internal cause like we'll have to we'll get into that more yeah. so we got we got to break this down we got to make sure we're all on the same page so that when we talk about things we all understand the our orientation toward these mm-hmm. okay cool so as i said uh in most textbooks you're going to see psychology is defined as something like the uh science of behavior and mental processes or, or something like that so okay that's great or maybe behavior and cognition um, those two things. Let's, let's dig in that. So now we need to ask, okay, so what is behavior? I think a lot of people maybe approach this, uh, this word behavior and they think of it just as being action. Um, but maybe, maybe it's more than that. So, uh, I guess, what are your thoughts? Like, how do you approach behavior? What do you describe behavior as being? So behavior, I think the easiest way to kind of start looking at it that I've first was introduced to um, was this concept of the dead man's test. Okay. So the dead man's test was founded, I guess, or created by a gentleman named Ogden Lindsley. And he was a student of B.F. Skinner's actually. And he uses this kind of starting point to really try to determine whether or not something was a behavior or not. So the, the concept was if a dead man could do it, then it's not behavior. Okay. What do you think about that? Well, immediately it seems like then we're, we're landing on the side of it, uh, behavior as action. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, if we're saying that uh, if a dead man can do it, so basically behavior is anything that a dead man can't do. Yeah. Um, and so let's, let's put this to the test. Let's come yeah. up with some scenarios of what would and wouldn't be behavior. Okay. All right. How about um, let's just, something real, real basic to start with. How about just standing up? Can a dead man do that? No. No. Okay. Not. Okay, so standing up could be considered a behavior because a dead man can't stand up. Yeah. Okay. What about uh, hmm, getting in an argument with your significant other? I uh, don't think a dead man can do that. <laughs> if he did, I'd be very alarmed. Right. I'm worried about the zombie apocalypse. What about uh, sleeping? That's tricky. I guess it, you would have to decide whether or not sleeping was an active process that involved um, something that the organism is doing. Yeah. Oh, one, one, yeah, <laughs> one that uh, I've always found of interest was uh, sitting and sitting still sometimes because that's something sure. that I run into, um, like in the education realm, was a prerequisite of students being able to learn is being able to sit in a chair and kind of hang out and those sort of things. But when it came to the dead man's test, could a dead man sit? <laughs> I think if based on the the aspect of this of 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 remaining motionless a dead man is exquisitely good at remaining <laughs> motionless yeah so I, I think the dead man's test was kind of a, a good start personally sure. um and it, i still use it uh yeah. on and off throughout my practice in my daily life on like is this behavior or not but it's just it's it's kind of that starting point um that plain english starting point on whether or not it is something that someone could be doing a good example with like the sitting in a chair is there's a lot of things that we are doing when we're sitting in a chair I think it's just hard to put words around what those things are sometimes. Sure. So the various abdominal muscles that are constricting 
moving. Um, yeah. And I'm very fidgety when I sit. I, I move things around. I move <laughs> yeah. my hands a lot. Yeah, I do too. It makes it really easy for recording a podcast, right? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's a, it's a good starting point. Um, and I think it's just that. Uh, I don't know how far I guess it goes. Okay, so there are going to be things that we do that you might not necessarily um, – that that maybe if the definition is loose enough could apply to a dead man even though it's not really something a dead man could do. Mm-hmm. So I guess then um, what we're arriving at here is that behavior is not just an action. Um, but it's other things that you do and it seems to be kind of ongoing. Yeah. Like at no point is there like really clear breaks in your behavior if, especially if you start including things like your abdominal muscles that are constricting mm-hmm. and holding you up. And then at that point, you know, maybe we think of those other involuntary responses like eye blinks. Yeah. So I, uh, obviously, a dead man can't blink. Uh, <laughs> our eye blinks behavior, our, our breathing, yeah. um, which keeps us alive, seems pretty important. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is a, a pretty automatic process, but does that count as behavior? And if things like breathing, these automatic processes, then so do our normal b- uh, body regulations that occur as part of the process of being alive, which involves all of our organs and our brain mm-hmm. and our uh, environment that is capable of sustaining life, yep. all these things immediately start to become like, well, we can't draw the line anywhere. We yeah. keep trying to move the line and uh-huh. it stops working every time we move it. Yeah. And that's where I've always been into issues is like to kind of do anything with this this area, this thing we call psychology, like we need to have nice, some sort of breaking points or lines in the sand, right? To yeah. be able to like use it and help somebody or help yourself or answer that question that you've been thinking about on why someone is doing what they're doing. Right. Yeah. So it's, I, think I it, don't know. It helps us intervene. And then there's also the element of like, I can look at my own experience as a type of behavior, but you can't see necessarily what those experiences are. So when we get into this, like, how are we going to study this? How are we going to learn about psychology and about behavior and we, we want to, we're, we're looking at just the behavior part of this, I guess, right now, is we have sort of a couple rules we might be able to follow, which is that in terms of if we want to, we want to isolate it experimentally, mm-hmm. then we have to select something that we can actually measure, that we can count, we can quantify, that we can uh, attend to. And so a lot of common psychology experiments are going to use things like questionnaires, where they're going to ask people mm-hmm. to report on something and ask them a question and say, rate, you know, rate this on a scale of one to five or even open-ended, like, what were you thinking when you did this? And when they're doing that, they're not actually measuring what the person was thinking. What they're measuring is what they said they were thinking, which mm-hmm. is, you know, we're not going to get the nuances of that right now, but you seems, seems good enough, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. At least even in that case, you're still measuring something that they're doing, mm-hmm. even if it's what they said they were doing. Um, which may or may not accurately reflect what it was. So that's that's the first rule is like if we're going to study it, we have to have something that we can quantify, some way of breaking it mm-hmm. into manageable units. However, there is a second rule, which is to not necessarily approach it from the experimental angle, but to understand psychology conceptually, it requires that broader definition of there aren't necessarily natural breaks where it's like, that was a behavior that isn't. Mm-hmm. And at this point, a behavior clearly stopped um, and there was no residual. There was no like, you know, there's a, a really clear on and off. It actually seems to ebb and flow continuously. Yeah. And there's like, 
you know, there's always a constant sort of behavior that's going on, and it it makes it difficult to study when you can't yeah. isolate <laughs> anything that's happening and say this is definitely an instance of this. We can quantify that, yeah. um, but it's important on the conceptual side because then it allows us to. I think branch out and figure out how we can start to quantify those yeah. other elements of experience. Yeah. And to kind of go back to what I was referencing earlier, like trying to figure out how to actually use this stuff. Um, those conceptual systems are actually the way that you can do those sort of things, at least sure. in my experience. Uh, as I learned some of those, I could start to do various things, influence, help my own life, other people's lives in various contexts. And learning more of those conceptual systems and comparing those have actually led to a lot of really cool, I guess, discoveries on why we do what we do. Cool. So we got a lot we can jump into. We could. With those. I'm really yeah. excited to get to those, actually. Great. Um, and putting those in plain English. Awesome. there's so many out there. Yeah, there's, there is. There's a lot to talk about here, man. I, yeah. And I think we could go on and on just about this definition of behavior and where we draw a line. And I think... Correct me if I'm wrong, but even inside of behavior analysis, there's not necessarily an agreement about what behavior is. No, is that not accurate? At all. Yeah, because it's it, all over the board. Man. It seems which is funny because like that's what that field does. Yeah, and but then we're to find is part of the the two words that describe it. Yeah, <laughs> and we can't agree on <laughs> like, of two words that, that this field is named after. <laughs> Neither one of them are in agreement. No, yeah, no, even analysis. Yeah, man, we. <laughs> So, and a similar issue exists for cognition, which we'll move into in a second. And so I guess we'll end on, we're talking about behavior and what we've mentioned so far is that this is, this can be action, but it doesn't necessarily mean observable action. Mm -hmm. There's also this element of like the automatic processes our body does, which means that at some level behavior exists um, in the biology of the organism, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Or it's at least part of it. Right? Sure. Yeah. And so... This is another area where it becomes really difficult because we can't isolate at any point like this is just biology and this is just behavior. Mm -hmm. Because in order to have behavior, you have to have the biology. Yeah. Like if I were to pull your brain out of your head, uh -huh. all of that behavior is probably going to stop. <laughs> <laughs> and if I were to cut off your arms and legs, all arm and leg behaviors are going to stop. Yep. So I can't even necessarily say there's the biological element of behavior because Virtually all behavior has a biological. It is the biological. It's a it's a biological process. Yeah, but one that exists inside of the context of like again, we're in a living, breathable space. Yeah. If I put your body in outer space, yeah, that's going to really drastically change yeah. the automatic processes and all your other behaviors as your body sort of slowly implodes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'd be curious to. What some of the listeners think on that, because I remember myself, like when I first got into psychology, I was so used to kind of a compartmentalized world in which sure. this happens here, this happens there, this right. happens there, here. Yeah. And that was partially because that's how those things are taught. Yeah. Um, and we have to dice them up to be able to do that. Right. Kind of translate those things over. Um, and that was something I had to kind of unlearn. And it took a while yeah. to unlearn that. It right. took a long while to unlearn some of those. Um, it's really hard, quote unquote, lessons of remembering those things and translating them into actually understanding why I did things in my own life, those kind of aha moments or right. helping other people out. Um, it took years sometimes to kind of forget parts of that. Sure. Yeah. It's, I think you hear there's like, this is the, this is the part of your brain that does mm -hmm. planning. This is the part <laughs> of your brain. And, and I guess I, I wasn't really intending to go this direction of sort of tackling like what is the role of the brain in this? Yeah. 
but it's important to notice that, um, of course, the brain is a critical variable in behavior. As yeah, it's is extremely important. Yeah. Um, as and, is everything else. Right. Yeah. And I guess what it is is it's decentralizing the variables that it's like, yep, the brain's there. That's really important. Yep. You got your environmental context there. Yeah. That's really important. Yep. You got your genes there. Those are all everything that hangs together. And there's just a lot more variables that all contribute and interact mm-hmm. in a given behavior than I think uh, many people sort of realize. And mm-hmm. so maybe that's the big take home point of just breaking down behavior is that behavior is, is kind of everything you do, <laughs> right? Um, which is really important because let's go ahead and move on to cognition. You feel, is that a good, uh, you think we cover this for now? Yeah, I think we've okay. done good. If okay. not, we're going to digress. That's, that's fair. <laughs> yeah. If we haven't already a little bit of a tangent. Okay, great. So I'm going to go back. I'm going to recrack the spine. I'm like a chiropractor to this book. If you look at this definition, you're going to get something along the lines of like all mental activities um, that are thinking, knowing, or at least associated with these um, emotions, memory, communicating, planning, those all fall into this, this definition of sort of cognition. And that's, you're going to see something of that nature in the yeah. definition. And that's about as clear cut as it gets. Mm-hmm. And not everyone sort of agrees on that. So what we just decided though a moment ago a moment ago was that behavior is everything that that you do. So we're, I actually want to put that on a back burner. I want to come yeah. back to this cognition. Do we necessarily agree on what thinking is? And so let, let's let's create a another one of those scenarios like we do with the dead man's test. Mm-hmm. We're gonna try and wanna figure out where it doesn't apply. Yeah. If you are focused on a task and all of a sudden a thought occurs to you about something else you have to do later in the day. Were you thinking about that before it occurred to you? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. <laughs> um, how about um, maybe? How how do you know whether or not you know something? So how do I know if I know something? Yeah. Uh, that's a tough one. I know because I do, I know because I think. <laughs> um, maybe I if you can describe it well enough or if presented with a scenario where you have to maybe solve something related yeah. to it, you can do it. But you but, don't necessarily need to like have words. You, you, need, you don't need to be able to like describe something in words to be able to know it necessarily if it comes to like performing some sort of task. That's right? fair. That's a really good point. It would be like asking this, you know, someone who uh, skateboards, like, well, how do you skateboard? Mm-hmm. <laughs> You put your feet on it. Yeah, you go. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good example. Like, if anyone's ever learned something from someone who doesn't know how to teach something, uh, it's very hard. Yeah, yeah. And I think that might be a little bit of something relatable to what we mean by this knowing. Yeah, that's right? fair. So, man, even these ones, like these, would require a whole lot more sort of unpacking of what we mean by mental activity. Mm-hmm. Is that just things that happen? Uh, in your brain, is it like you have to be aware of them and it by aware to mean, mean you can talk about it? This is complicated what it what it involves. But I think one major distinction we can make in this mm-hmm. from the other behaviors that we talked about is that these are things that are observable only to me or to you yeah. and yourself. Mm-hmm. Right? Like I can't just like take a picture of you and look at it and be like, oh, I know what he was thinking right yeah. there. Yeah. Exactly. And we do this where we try and infer, like, based on maybe some other features of, like, your 
eyebrows are furrowed and you may have a frown on your face. I'm like, mm-hmm. man, he looks pissed off. Um, <laughs> and even, uh, a lot of really good people are good at hiding those sort of things, right? They are. And I could, what could have immediately happened prior to that picture was we we're laughing, having a great time. And I said, all right, make a frown face like you're mad. And then I'm going to take a picture of it. Uh-huh. And it doesn't mean you're actually feeling mad, but the only frame of reference I have is that picture. Uh-huh. So that this element of cognition that are these activities that are going on is that they are unique to your experience and they're things that uh, no one else can really observe except you. Mm-hmm. Okay. I guess where this starts to get a little weird for me is that is that in some way fundamentally different from behavior? Maybe. I guess is it okay if I go back to your one of your kind of criteria was you need to be able to measure it? Sure. Can we measure these unobservables? Well, I think one common approach that people take is to measure brain activity. So I'll do an MRI. Because we can conceptualize it, right? Like that's what we've been kind of talking about. Like you can conceptualize it. So then the next right. question is, could you measure it? Sure. And so uh, initially, going sort of back into history here, yeah. uh, what people did is they would say, like, tell me what you're thinking. And what they then said was a product of what they called introspection, which mm-hmm. is they're thinking about thinking. Mm-hmm. Or were they thinking about thinking about thinking? <laughs> and this is one of those, yeah, it just goes on forever. Uh, you can ask these questions of, wait a minute, did I remember that? Or did I remember that I remembered that? Or maybe I'm remembering that I remembered that I, you know, it just, it's, it's silly. And that's sort of the point mm-hmm. is that these are things where we, we can't even necessarily say whether we're doing them and whether we're doing them in, intentionally and whether we're able to report on them accurately. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of times I'll find that, I was thinking about something and then I was randomly thinking about something else and I always am trying to trace it back and like, wait a minute, how did I end on, how did I end up here? Yeah. Which happens in conversations, I think, a lot. Driving down the road. Yeah, driving down, yeah, exactly right. I don't even remember driving here. I guess I got to point B, but I don't. I made it safely. Yeah. I don't don't remember any of the journey. I hope everyone else was safe. Yeah, exactly. Maybe I like drove someone off the road. So, another tangent, I guess. There is this. I try and tr- trace it back and figure out how did I how did I get there and there's I I'm actually getting pretty good at being able to do this I practice this a lot I think yeah and it I end up usually arriving at something else that happened that like triggered like a thought I remember mm-hmm. I saw a sign or someone I heard something on the radio mm-hmm. or I was on the phone conversation and someone said something that was like oh that reminds me of this thing and that yeah. made me think and it goes on this long trail of all these sort of relations yeah. of, of like this network of experiences that I have that are yeah. all related together mm-hmm. so but again that means that that started out where I was doing action and uh, again, it's difficult to say if this is fundamentally different from all these other behaviors. And I think one place I tend to see a divergence, or at least a, a description of how this is different, is a lot of people will approach these mental activities as they precede a observable response or action, and so they must therefore be the cause of that action. Mm-hmm. So think and then you do. Yep. Yeah, it's profoundly throughout psychology. Yeah, exactly. But that gets really tricky because it's sort of like, well, could the behavior have happened without the thought? And if not, then are they just part of the same process? And if they're part of the same process, does that mean that everything we do is cognition or is it everything we do is behavior? Mm-hmm. Or maybe they are separate and you can like have one without the other and they are they in, exist independently. Yeah. I don't know. I mean it's difficult to say. And I think another element of this is if they are separate, then as you said, how do we measure it? And what do we do with that information? Yeah. Can we change it? I don't know. 
We change one and not the other. Right. Change both. If we, we change, change behavior, behavior, do we also change thinking? If they're inherently related, I guess you kind of have to. Yeah. If you change thinking, well, how do you know if you change thinking unless you also change behavior? <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> um, it's tricky. And uh, we're not going to go into like exactly what the MRIs are. That'd actually be really fun, though. I think at some point we can tackle the different types of like brain scans and those things. Yeah. But just to say that when we're talking about this cognition thing, it seems to involve all the exact same processes of behavior. Mm -hmm. And from when I've been teaching this, I have a really hard time when students ask me, you know, what is cognition? I'll try and tell them. And they'll, you know, every once in a while I'll have that, that student who's like, but you also describe behavior as like this, you know, a reaction to uh, things that happen externally. You also describe behavior as this process that's ongoing and dynamic. And so mm -hmm. if thought process is ongoing and dynamic, then aren't those two related? Yeah. And I just sort of have to say, uh, yeah, you're yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> they are. <laughs> and uh, there doesn't seem to be a meaningful way to separate them where we can really isolate one as being a cause of the other. Yeah. Or, or one being more important than the other. Yeah, right. and they and become increasingly difficult to study and say that we have actually isolated the thing we want to isolate. Mm -hmm. I don't know. What, what, I'd love to hear some more of your thoughts. What do you think about some of what we <laughs> behavior? Well, cognition. I mean, cognition. Yeah, you. We've we've mentioned before in sort of conversations with each other, like what cognition is, because even behavior analysts tackle cognition. They talk about it as like a thing. Yeah. I guess the most useful way that I've kind of come about trying to understand it was that it, it is something that's kind of the same thing. So it is behavior. Okay. Um, and if we assume that, then it's something that we can now kind of measure and observe, at least on an individual level, like you said. Okay. And put these conceptual systems around it like you talked about. Okay. Um, which kind of meets our criteria. And at that point, for me at least, now there's something I can do with it. Um, so the question is, is like, where does it come from, I guess? And for me, the assumption's been, at least in the last few years or so, that it's uh, it's thinking, cognition, those sort of things are just kind of language. Okay. Um, and that's that's what it is. It's just a kind of a covert process. That's what a fantastic. That's a fantastic point. And I think I've heard other people talk about this. Um, you know, uh, Vygotsky was big on this. Uh, Skinner was big on this. Uh, the relational frame theory is big on this, where cognition and language really go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. And there's been some other things, um, I'll have to revisit some of the research on this, but where people who develop language really, really late in life describe their early experiences as being sort of nebulous and vague, like they can't recall them in very much yeah. detail. They're like, I don't recall thinking very much or mm -hmm. understanding what was going on. So it seems like it's it can be very confusing. Yeah. Um, and indeed, people who uh, maybe never really develop a comprehensive language ability or skill, yeah. that they often, they struggle with these elements of what we call cognition. Mm -hmm. Where we, we might try to do these tests, we're like, okay, can you do critical thinking? Can you do analogies? Can you do metaphors and that sort of thing? So... Uh, language does seem to be pretty pretty well wrapped up in, inside of this idea of cognition and what we mean by that and, and what it is. So then I guess cognition is sort of like a way in which we behave and we're, we're, inter mm -hmm. we're having our experiences, we're interacting with the things that happen to us, we're, re I guess, reacting to them. Yeah. Okay, so whenever we have these experiences, we do so in the context of like, 
we can describe them, we'll remember them, we can report them to someone else. We might be thinking ahead or relating those experiences to something else that we mm -hmm. already know. And, uh, and that seems like really inherently wrapped up in our ability to uh, talk about it. Yeah. Cool. So I guess another element to think about this is we, we all have this experience of like thinking and feeling and knowing and remembering. Everyone has an individual experience. Mm -hmm. Experience. <laughs> and, um, and so we can, we can recognize these processes in ourselves and maybe that feels different than when we're having or maybe behaving in a way that's more obvious. Yeah. But I guess it's more useful to think of it as existing on a continuum mm -hmm. of these things that are sort of our more private experiences, that yeah. are our reflections and our thoughts and, and those sort of things, and and how it becomes more, sort of more overt and deliberate. And that, that all of those things hang together. They all work the same, but they don't necessarily look the same, mm -hmm. and they might not necessarily feel the same. Does that sound yeah. about right? Okay. Yeah. I guess coming back to it then with our definition of psychology as uh, the, you know, the study of behavior and mental processes or behavior and cognition, kind of what that means is the study of everything that we do. Mm -hmm. And specifically, it, we could either say it's, it's the study of cognition and everything we do is cognition or it's the study of behavior and everything we do is behavior. But I feel like we don't need both of those terms, that they don't really contribute a better definition of what psychology is up to. Mm -hmm by having both of them in there. It'd be sort of like saying psychology is the study of behavior and things that we do, <laughs> you know, or <laughs> it's the study of behavior and behavior, the study yeah. of cognition and cognition. Yeah. If they mean the same thing, they sort of hang together. And I think that um, my experience and my, and my research has really showed me uh, that that's the best way to approach it. Yeah. Same here. Um, it seems a little weird at first yeah. that you're defining everything that people do as behavior. Right. Um, but it's actually really starts a really solid starting point and it's actually extremely practical and useful. It's like, it? yeah. Unbelievable how practical and useful it is. Yeah, a lot um, of people they build their uh, they build their careers on this and they take the you know, when they do their clinical the, their clinical operations where they're helping other people. Mm hmm That Which could be anything, right? Absolutely. Helping uh, a physicist, helping yeah. an organization, helping <laughs> right. Somebody that needs some help in an area of psychological distress in their life, helping a teacher, training animals, yeah, yeah, uh, entrepreneurship, anything that comes with business, marketing, sales, like all that just kind of becomes available now. Uh, raising kids, a hundred percent, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So it, it, yeah, the people who they they take this definition and they're able to sort of apply it to what they do, what they know about psychology, and it. Only seems to help. Like it, yeah. makes, it makes it more effective. It yeah, doesn't slow them down in any to way. Kind of to finish those like examples that we kind of gave there, uh, with something so broad, it makes it very easy to now kind of explore a lot of areas. And for me, I guess like I'm not afraid of locking into one view. Sure. With behavior being defined so broadly, yeah. I have I don't know like job security in a way, <laughs> but I have like. <laughs> I have like personal security and like I'm not going to necessarily regret studying this stuff because I can kind of shift and move it around with whatever my interests are at the time. Yeah, right? yeah, absolutely. I, could, I guess I could just completely agree with you that it's broad and it also allows it to be flexible in that way. Yeah. It's very easy to like pick a more uh, strict definition 
but that puts you in a position where as soon as you start having counterexamples, mm-hmm. you either have to deny that they're counterexamples <laughs> or bend your definition to fit with them. And so we're starting in a place where we have the ability to be flexible with everything that seems to be human experience. Mm-hmm. And the one that we've arrived at today is really the culmination of centuries of people talking about this and trying to study it and understand it. And so essentially have arrived at this idea that behavior is pretty much everything we do. And mm-hmm. therefore psychology is studying everything that we do and then trying to isolate what are the contextual variables that are important to understand it. Yeah. I want to understand going back to the question we mentioned in our, our first episode of why do I, why do I have such a hard time quitting smoking? Yeah. And we got, okay, when you look at this from a psychological point of view, it means what are all the variables that mm-hmm. are related? What's the physiology of smoking? What is the yeah. availability of smoking? What is, uh, what are the context in which you usually smoke? What yeah. does smoking get you? What does smoking get you out of? Mm-hmm. Um, all those questions uh, start being able to uh, be evaluated if you take this approach of mm-hmm. we need to understand the contextual features of behavior and behavior is everything that is part of our human experience. Yeah. Cool. So where does that, uh, I guess, leave us? Where are we heading next? In terms of our next episode or in terms of this episode? This one. Okay. <laughs> I think that wraps it up. I think you know our, our purpose today was to try and break down psychology, to define it, and to unpack the terms that it is comprised of in such a way that we can come up with examples and non-examples and, uh, and why we arrived at the mm-hmm. definition we arrived at. So we're going to summarize it as uh, psychology is a study of behavior and behavior is everything that we do. I like that. Okay. Seems elegant to me. So, yeah, that's your uh, that's your one short plain English kind of wrap-up on where we ended today, right? Yeah, I like it. I guess if you've been listening this whole, I don't know how long it's been, 25, 30 minutes, that's what you, we could have said that in the first five seconds and then just <laughs> yeah. wrapped it up there, but... It was useful to have the discussion. I think we needed to approach it and break down these components and and really pick them apart so we could come to an agreement on that. For sure. Cool. I think that's all we got. I've got nothing else. Do you have anything else to do? Not at all. Okay, great. All right, we'll wrap it up there then. And uh, we would love to hear from everyone. So uh, please get in contact with us. Uh, We're really looking forward to your feedback to make this show um, as useful as we can and as accessible as we can. So... The things that we can do to sort of tailor it, make it better, um, please let us know. Yeah. Uh, That kind of wraps us up. Rhino and Abraham out, right? We're out. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to Why We Do What We Do. If you like what you heard and would like to support the show, please consider heading over to our Patreon account at patreon.com slash podcast. Every little bit helps, and we're continuously lining up perks and merch for our supporters. Contact us on any social media platform at podcast or email us at info at www.podcast.com. You can learn more about this episode and other episodes by going to www.podcast.com. There you will find links and detailed and shareable show notes. This episode of Why We Do What We Do was written and produced by Ryan O. and Abraham. Artwork and logo design by Andrew Pollock at nogdesigns.com. Video and production assistance from Tyler Bessier. And music courtesy of Justin Greenhouse.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.